Blog Talk Radio. Hey, this is Anthony C. Ferrante, director of Sharknado. Hi, this is the voice of BattleBots, Mark Biro. This is Seth Shostak, senior astronomer at the SETI Institute. This is Frank Joseph. I'm the author of an essay in the latest book, Lost Secrets of the Gods. Hi, this is Linda Godfrey, author of American Monsters. Hello, my name is Robert Salas. I'm the author of Unidentified, the UFO Phenomenon. Hi, this is Nick Redfern, the author of Close Encounters of the Fatal Kind. Hi, my name is Bob Luca. And my name is Betty Andreessen Luca. Hi, this is Jesse Proofus, the producer of JFK, The Smoking Gun. Hello, this is Marty Langford. I'm the director of Doom, the untold story of Roger Corman's Fantastic Four. Hi, this is Kevin Randall, author of Alien Mysteries, Conspiracies, and Cover-Up. Hi, this is Tracy Roberts, founder of I'm Jeremiah Bomek the producer of The Reel of Horror. Hi, my name is Bill Hall, author of The World's Most Haunted House. Hi, this is Micah Hanks, and I'm the author of the book The Ghost Rockets. And you're listening to Emmy on the Graveyard Shift talk show, blogtalkradio.com.
of a dying star. That's hot. From the snow-capped mountaintops of Middle Earth. Orbiting above the Earth in a stolen alien spacecraft. The Graveyard Shift Online Radio Talk Show. Now, strap on your seatbelt, get ready to kneel, true believers, because here's your host, Emmy. Guys, I want to thank you so much for hanging in there, Shifties. New and old, welcome to the greatest talk show that ever was, is, and ever will be. 45,000 plus listeners and counting. I mean, you can't get any better than that, right? You know, if anybody out there, by the way, can uh, help me out in figuring out how to uh, stop this thing from buzzing, sometimes it stops, sometimes it doesn't, because you know what Today is March 7, 2015, and tonight, you know, I was going, um, we had a really cool interview scheduled with Mr. Brian Dyer. I hope I'm pronouncing his name correctly. He's the director of a documentary about the history of Tampa Bay, where the graveyard shift is uh, located and hails from, and we were going to have him on. Uh, well, actually, we were going to air an interview with him tonight, but unfortunately, <laughs> there's just been like, all kinds of stuff going on in our lives. You know how it is. Sometimes your life intervenes, and there's not really much you can do about it, except, you know, deal with it, right? So um, hopefully we'll uh, we'll get that interview with him soon, and uh, we'll hear more about his um, his project and... You know, he's a really super cool guy, and um, I mean, he, he already did a documentary uh, about autism. If I can find the name, I'll I'll, um, I'll tell you guys what it is. It's um, anybody that does anything, you know how I am about autism. I, I, I'll do the best I can to promote them and give them props because, as you know, that we're, you know, that's something that's a very important part of our lives, and um, speaking of, of autism, we have a very, very dear family friend and fan and friend of the show, Tracy Roberts, the guru extraordinaire of um, Positively Autistic, the chat empire, radio empire in the good old UK. We will be airing the second part of the interview with her and access all aerials about her adoption story. We just basically decided to go ahead and since since they already interviewed her, you know, that would have that was just a lot better and easier than I mean having her, you know, move her schedule around and it's just there's been all manner of you know, obstacles to prevent us from actually recording an interview between her and us. So that would, you know, we basically decided to just air the interview between her and Access All Area. So I will be hopefully airing that soon, if not next week, the week after. So just kind of stay tuned for that. You're either listening to us on blogtalkradio.com slash the graveyard shift, or 
you've got us on our Twitter feed, hashtag Emmy Shift Show. That's E-M-I-S-H-I-F-T-S-H-O-W. You can also uh, check us out on our Facebook group page. You can usually um, find this at the, the Graveyard Shift Talk Show. Now, make sure that it's the newest one. We've been having a few views on the old one. I haven't figured out yet how to – I'm trying to find a way to move the um, the old page to the new one. That way anybody that looks for it will just see the new one, but I, I still haven't figured out how to do that. You know me. I'm not exactly tech savvy, you know. Sucks to be me. And of course, you can look and look for us on iTunes and listen to us, subscribe for free, and be a part of the Shifty Universe. So, without any further ado, let us get into our news of the day. And then after that, who knows? Maybe I'll, uh, you know, maybe I'll air an interview. <laughs> you never know how tonight's gonna end. How gonna turn out? Here we go. Anyways, I'm standing there waiting to use the payphone. And this guy who's on the phone turns around and tips his hat like this. And who do you think that guy was? Emilio! <laughs> all right, news of the day. First of all, I want to give a big shout out. I've done political shows, and I said I wasn't going to do them again because there was just too many, you know, complaints about my stances because I'm conservative and blah, blah, blah. But, you know, once in a while, I will be doing that. So today it's going to be a little bit kind of here and there. You know, I might I might inject a little political stuff in there. And if you don't like it, that's okay. You don't have to like it. You can call in and yell at me if you want. You know, I could take it. I think. Call me at area code 347-237-5187. That's area code 347-237-5187. And as long as you behave, you're nice, I'll let you talk and say your piece. So let's get started here. 50 years from what's considered Bloody Sunday. That's the name they called it. The President Obama spoke. He was quoted as saying that our march is – should I do Should I do his voice? Should I? No, not for this. I don't think that's right. Quote, 50 years from Bloody Sunday, our march is not yet finished, but we're getting closer. 239 years after this nation's founding, our union is not yet perfect, but we are getting closer. Our job's easier because somebody already got us through that first mile. Somebody already got us over that bridge. When it feels the road is too hard, when the torch we've been passed feels too heavy, we will remember these early travelers and draw strength from their example. We honor those who walked so we could run. We must run so our children soar. You know, I'm, I'm going to tell you something. No matter what I think of this guy, which obviously I don't like him very much or his policies, whoever writes his speeches, they are really good. I mean – He's very eloquent. You don't you can you can't deny that. I mean, he did get voted into office twice. So I mean and you got you kinda have to be a little eloquent to be a politician, don't you? Maybe eloquent is putting it a little bit strongly, but you got to wonder. The point is the guy can speak well. Um you know, I'm curious about something and I'm wondering if you guys agree with me on this. Martin, Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., may he rest in peace, spoke as the keynote, the main speaker, however you want to call it, 
in the very first uh, Selma march. You know, did his whole I Have a Dream speech. Um, and here we are 50 years later. Now, who would you think would be an appropriate person to do that speech? Like a 50-year anniversary speech of this particular moment. Do you think it should be somebody that was a part of the original march? Someone who was related to somebody who was part of the original march? Just in case, you know. Or do you think it should be somebody that was is rather a result of what that march was about. Now, let me let me clarify a little bit. A lot of people say that President Obama became president thanks to Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., thanks to the whole civil rights movement. And I, you know, I I don't think there's any debate or argument about that. Um I think that if it wasn't for the whole civil rights era, we probably would not have an African-American president. Heck, we probably wouldn't even have any elected representative that had any cultural ties in them whatsoever, at least not publicly. You know, they probably would have needed to hide it if they could. In fact, I'm sure there were many elected officials before the Civil Rights Act that probably did have, you know, some kind of ethnic upbringing or ethnic ties, and they just had to hide it. A lot of people thought that Andrew Jackson, one of our earlier presidents, had some kind of African-American blood in him, and oh no, don't yell at me. I know how he was. I know many of you don't like him, but there there are rumors that stipulate that he might have had some African-American blood in him way, way back. I don't know how back. I don't have any evidence to back that up. This is rumor. So don't, don't just calm down. Okay. You know, I personally think that for this 50-year anniversary, I think it would have been more appropriate to have maybe Martin, you know, MLK's son give a, a speech. Doesn't he have a? I think he has a daughter too. I'm pretty sure. Um, if I think he has a daughter, maybe she should have done it. You know, um, Jesse Jackson, Reverend Jackson. He was one. He was part of the original march, wasn't he? I, I believe he was. And in fact, I'm pretty sure Reverend Sharpton was there. You know, as much as I'm not a big fan of them, I it does it's not, it doesn't. This isn't about me being a fan. This isn't about me agreeing with politics. This has nothing to do with politics. This has to do with what would be appropriate, what what is considered, what I think would be correct. And I, I'm I don't know about how I feel about the president being the person to be to give the actual speech. I I get it. I get it. I know. He's the first African-American president. It's important. You know, um, many people will say, well, you know, Emmy, this kind of comes full circle. This kind of brings Dr. King's dream full circle. I don't know if I agree with that, and I'll tell you why. Dr. King had a dream that all people of all races would be together in peace. And harmony, not just whites and African Americans. And uh, if you disagree with me on that, I challenge you. I challenge you to debate with me on it. I challenge you to show me evidence that showed that he wanted only African Americans and only whites to be agreeing, agreeing with each other and in the table of, of peace and harmony. Because I, I know for a fact that he wanted all people of all races and creeds and cultures to be together. Now, you know, definitely that is something that is <laughs> was a very big dream. One day it does come true. I think I think we've gotten pretty far into it. I think we've made a very big step. I think the fact that we that we elected this man was a big step in that direction and and you know what it's a damn shame. It's a damn shame that 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 it got to this point with this guy, because I was really hoping, I was really hoping that it wouldn't, that he wouldn't turn into this kind of president that he's turned into. Um, I, I won't go any further because I know a lot of you out there are liberals, and I, I don't want to anger you. I know you probably are angry already, and that's fine. You have a right to be, you know. 
my my point is, and it's not about the politics. It's about the fact that you know this this whole anniversary is about the march. It's about Dr. King and and what all of them stood for. And I mean, yeah, I, I kind of understand that the president kind of symbolizes part of what that dream was, but I, I'm not so sure I agree with him being the person to give the speech. I mean, I get it. Him being the president kind of get, you know, gives a real big weight to the whole event. That's fine. I understand that. But I really feel that maybe he shouldn't have been the main attraction. Maybe it should have been, you know, the son or, you know, somebody in the family or again, like Reverend Jackson or Reverend Sharpton. Should have been in there. Now I'm going to tell you something. I'm I'm actually kind of glad that they didn't because whenever Reverend Sharpton talks, he he manages to step on himself quite a bit, and it ends up being a train wreck. So maybe it's a good idea. Maybe it's a good thing that he didn't, uh, you know, get the honor, so to speak, of you know being the one and you know the main main person. Um, so I don't know. I I mean. I think he spoke really well. I, I'm not going to fault him on anything he said. I think it was a beautiful speech. I think the event was beautiful, and I, you know, I, I think the amount of people that that um, that showed up was awesome. And to see them marching on the on the bridge, and I mean that that's you know that's pretty amazing. So anyway, um, hopefully a lot of you saw that, and and uh, if you were there, that's fantastic. I would love to hear about it. That would be great. So. There's there you go. So I wanted to wish a very happy. Well, I don't know. Yeah, why not a happy anniversary? I mean, I didn't want to say happy anniversary to the people who got, you know, uh, doused with water, you know, or anything like that. And by the way, I you know I realize the episode's title is a bit tongue in cheek, and I do I am not making light of what happened. Obviously, okay. This is I mean this is a comedy show, and you know take with it take take from it what you will. But you guys know me by now. And um, the reason why I, I put that title is because how far have we really gotten, you know? How far have we gotten? We've gotten an African-American president, but are we any freer as a people than we, than we started out back then from that, from that day? Are we as a minority culture any freer? The fact that I even call this minority culture tells you right there. And anybody that's been watching the events unfold in Ferguson, New York, Florida, back when you know Trayvon Martin, George Zimmerman thing happened, I think you'll agree with me that we're not really that as free as we think we are. It's a little food for thought. So, but part of this show is the paranormal and the weird. I mean, of course, you know, how weird can you get when you're talking about that kind of stuff? So, uh, why don't we get started on that? Because, my gosh, you know, let's do that. Investigators use the 
paranormal proximity alarm put on or in objects on doorknobs or hooks to metal objects. There are similar devices such as the REM pod available that detect electromagnetic fields, but they are expensive and are selling for well over $100. So if you want to get it, go for it, have fun, don't have fun, I don't know, get scared, don't get scared, why ever, what's your boat, that's not how you guys do stuff, you know, uh, era, uh, anniversary, there's another anniversary that's even older, the Battle of Los Angeles, how many of you guys know about, no, not the movie, well, actually, I think the movie is kind of, like, really, like, extremely loosely based on this, but it's true, well, actually, this is back in the 25th of February that this was the anniversary, I can't believe I missed that. Maybe I didn't. Maybe I actually talked about it, and I just don't remember because I'm so old. February 25th marked the 73rd. Wow, that's long, that's a that's old, man. Oh, for those of you who are 73, I'm sorry. <laughs> the 73rd anniversary of the Battle of Los Angeles, also known as the Great L.A. Air Raid, one of the most mysterious incidents of World War II and one of the most colorful tales in all of UFO lore. Between the late evening of February 24, 1942, and the early morning hours of February 25th, the City of Angels flew into a panic, as what were initially believed to be Japanese enemy aircraft were spotted over the city. This suspected Japanese raid, coming soon after the Pearl Harbor bombing, and just one day after a confirmed Japanese submarine attack off the Santa Barbara coast, touched off a massive barrage of anti-aircraft fire, with some 14 Hundred shells shot into the skies over L.A. during the evening. Strangely, however, the anti-aircraft shells hit nothing. Despite the intense barrage, no aircraft wreckage was ever recovered. In fact, once the smoke had cleared and uh, the Los Angelinos calmed down, no one really knew what had been seen in the sky or on radar. Were they radar balloons, German zeppelins? Who knows? Now, for those of you who don't who, who know this, maybe some of you don't know. There was a movie made by Steven Spielberg in the 80s called 1941 in which it was highly, highly satirized. It's actually one of the funniest movies. I love that movie. John Belushi was in it. Now, many people believed that the aircraft they saw was extraterrestrial. One eyewitness even described an object he'd seen as looking like an enormous flying lozenge. And so, <laughs> Ricola! <laughs> you know, instead of E.T. phone home, Ricola! And some accused the government of a cover-up. No. Why would the government cover something up? Conflicting accounts of the incident from the Navy and War Department did not help clarify matters. As if to confirm public fears of E.T. attack, one famous L.A. Times photograph, which you can see on the – hold on. I'm going to put it on our website – or actually on our Twitter feed. See, that's why it helps to uh, to get on our Twitter tag, guys, because – hashtag. What was I just saying? Dear God. Right. The, the photograph, which emerged from the incident, showing an ominous saucer-like object hovering over the city. Now, this much-debated photo inspired America's first major UFO controversy a full five years before Roswell. That's very important to understand, guys. This happened before the crash at Roswell. To this day, no one knows what happened. No one knows for sure what flew over L.A. that night and evaded the city's air defense. That's important to understand and, 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 and just comprehend, guys. So, there is an actual trailer that was made for a documentary called UFO Diary. So you can talk, you can hear about that. You can see it on the, um, you know, on our Twitter feed if you want to read it or whatever, watch it. I don't know. Whatever floats your boat. There you have it. Now, on other news that is not paranormal related, I mean, well, I mean, I guess it might be depending on how you see it. A very awesome, super cool thing happened. Hold on, because I just remembered about something else. I'm hoping. Ah, ba -da -ba -da -ba -da. 
Where are you? See, this is what happens when you're not prepared. This is why you always need to be prepared whenever you get on the air. That's what happens. There we go. There was a huge tomb discovered in France. And it was, you know, when they found it, they discovered that there was a shield. And they did a little engraving on the shield. And it you know, turns out that the engraving led them to the Canyon of the Crescent Moon. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, I couldn't resist. No, really, no, no, no. That's not true. That's not true. I'm, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. There was a huge tomb of a Celtic prince unearthed in France. An exceptional 2,500-year-old burial chamber was revealed to have stunning treasures. The grave was crammed with Greek, possibly Etruscan artifacts. The prince is buried with his chariot at the center of a huge mound. It's 130 foot burial mound from 5th century that remained unopened. Biggest find was a bronze decorated cauldron used to store wine. Oh, that's all. Pretty cool. Mausoleum contained a ceramic wine pitcher made by the Greeks. And the burial chamber is one of the largest recorded for this period. That is pretty cool, guys. A team from the National Archaeological Research Institute, NRAP, has been excavating the site since October of last year. They recently dated it to the end of the first Iron Age, a period characterized by the widespread use of the metal. The discovery should, could rather, shed light on Iron Age European trade, researchers say. This is really cool. I'm looking at the pictures on this website, and uh, I'm really impressed that the um, – I'm actually I tweeted this just now, guys, to our Twitter feed. Hashtag Emmy Shift Show if you want to check it out. Some of these um pictures are really neat. And if you look at the first big well, there's the one big one that shows the um the big find the wine excuse me, the wine cauldron. And but that's not the one I'm talking about. If you scroll down a little bit, they actually show a bird's eye view excuse me, of the burial mound. You can see at the center the actual mound itself. It's pretty pretty massive. I mean, look at how big the mound is in comparison and contrast to the tent where they do all the, um, you know, the investigations and the science-y stuff. Look at the van, the vans at the at the bottom right corner. I mean, this is a this guy was pretty big deal. It just gives you an idea. There were, you know, we we often hear about, you know, the kings of England and all this stuff and how awesome they were and what they did. You know, Richard the Lionheart, Edward the Confessor, blah, blah, blah. But you know what? When all is said and done, there are so many other rulers that were lost to history, like this guy. You know, we don't know that much about him. He was in the 5th century. All we know that he was just a local Celtic prince, you know? And the fact that he was buried with so much stuff gives me... uh, Pause. I mean, it's just pretty amazing. I mean, and if there's this, if we can find this, I I I hope one day that they find the actual burial cha- burial chamber of the first emperor of China. Um, I'm not even gonna massacre his name because I'm, I I know I know his name, but I'm not even gonna massacre it. But the fact of the matter is, all they've discovered is the um, the terracotta warriors back in the twenty the twenty you know, near the end of the 20th century if you guys remember your history so that was pretty amazing another discovery that was uh discovered was in a jungle in honduras in the, in the la mosquitia valley area a team of archaeologists unearthed evidence of a lost city including an effigy of a half human half jaguar spirit a plaza and a pyramid reported by national geographic the city of the monkey god had been thought but a myth until a 2012 aerial survey of the valley and a probe of the densely forested region with a laser light detected signs of potential ruins. Researchers on the expedition believe humans haven't been in the area for at least 600 years because the animals in the region acted as if they'd never seen people. One of the lead archaeologists was quoted as saying, The expedition is being helmed by a documentary filmmaker team Steve Elkins and Bill Benenson, who flew into the remote area via helicopter, intent on finding the city. They had used the surviving, surveying technology, LIDAR, which uses infrared beams to allow views of what's inside the thick forest. Once they arrived, they were stunned to find remnants of a past human society, complete 
with fields of crops, paved roads, houses. Additionally, they found 52 distinctive artifacts, including stone sculptures carved and intricate designs bearing snakes and vultures. You know, that this is amazing. This is amazing. This is why it is so important that we, you know, be, that we take care of our of our planet and its history. It's not just about teaching the children about history. It's not just about, you know, oh yeah, this is cool because this happened. It's let me tell you something, guys. This is who we were. This kind of this is like a stepping stone to who we are now. So this is pretty amazing. Um, I'm going to go ahead and tweet this. Let me see here. I was just trying to do Giz- Gizmo. No. Oh, my God. I forgot his name. The guy that was from the Gremlins. Oh, my God. I forgot the name. I suck. And, of course, you know, perfect following story to that. Discovering an ancient city is destroying one after I said all that. Oh, those beautiful, wonderful ISIS guys. Don't you just love them? Because you know why? You know why we love them? Because they completely destroyed and looted the world-famous Nimrud archaeological site in northern Iraq. (laughs) Isn't that awesome? I I love these guys. They're so great. My God. Wait, no, it gets better. See, the destruction of the more than 3,000-year-old landmark is considered one of the most important archaeological sites uncovered in the past century. Ah. Statement late Thursday from Iraq's Ministry of Tourism and Antiquities said that ISIS continues to defy the will of the world and the feelings of humanity with this latest attack, in which the extremists used heavy military vehicles to crush Treasured relics from one of ancient Mesopotamia's greatest cities. You know, somebody needs to wipe these guys from the face of the earth. They really do. I mean, these guys are scum. They are scum. And there you go. That's what I think of them. I don't think that's a very big surprise. So I'm going to take a little break when I get back. I may or may not air an interview. I don't know. It depends on how much time I've got. I can talk pretty long. Don't like it? Tough? Don't listen. But when I get back, I'll talk about more comic book related stuff. Maybe. I don't know. Feel like it. Might not do it. I might continue to suck today. How about that? You want me to suck? Because I will. I will suck even harder. Now that actually didn't, didn't sound very, very. Sanitary, I think. Yeah. I'll be right back. <laughs> when I get back, more comic stuff. Here we go. You're listening to the Graveyard Shift, guys. Like today. Uh, come in, Houston. This is Apollo X. This is Apollo X. Request special permission to dock with the station. Uh, Roger, Apollo. You are go for station dock. Welcome aboard, Shifties. You're listening to the Graveyard Shift online radio talk show. Broadcasting live on blogtalkradio.com slash the Graveyard Shift. Follow us at hashtag Show for our Twitter feed. Stay punched in. We'll be back. Oh, oh, oh. 
On hold, Graveyard Shift fan. Our illustrious host, Emmy. Why the hell does he always say that word illustrious? We'll be right back after this break with more shifty, yeah, like shitty awesomeness. I can't believe this guy. Who the hell does he think he is? Um, no. Okay. Um, yeah, we'll, uh, we'll, we'll be right back. You're listening to the Graveyard Shift online radio talk show on www.blogtalkradio.com slash the Graveyard Shift or on Twitter on our hashtag uh, Emmy Shift Show Twitter feed, iTunes under podcast directory, and of course on our Facebook group page. This is Emmy. Um, I will be right back after this, guys. By the way, if any of you really enjoy, and I hope I know I do, the um, those little bumper bumpers that you've been hearing. Um, the guy who does them is named uh, Aw Yeah. I mean, that's that's the name he uses on Fiverr, F-I-V-E-R-R dot com. I highly recommend him. He he provides top quality um, radio bumpers. He's a really nice guy, and uh, I mean, his turnaround time is phenomenally, like insanely fast. He's extremely popular. So if you uh, if you're into the podcast craze like I am, if if you want to do it for fun, if you want to do it professionally, whatever, I highly recommend him. Look for all yeah in the fiber.com. I'll be right back, guys. Uh, this is the Graveyard Shift. Keep punching in. And here's another ditty from Holden Strianez and Throne of Anguish. Keep on Thank you. 
is Anthony C. Ferrante, director of Sharknado. Hi, this is the voice of BattleBots, Mark Barrow. This is Seth Shostak, senior astronomer at the SETI Institute. This is Frank Joseph. I'm the author of an essay in the latest book, Lost Secrets of the Gods. Hi, this is Linda Godfrey, author of American Monsters. Hello, my name is Robert Salas. I'm the author of Unidentified, the UFO Phenomenon. Hi, this is Nick Redfern, the author of Close Encounters of the Fatal Kind. Hi, my name is Bob Luca. And my name is Betty Andreessen Luca. Hi, this is Jesse Proofus, the producer of JFK, The Smoking Gun. Hello, this is Marty Langford. I'm the director of Doom, the untold story of Roger Corman's The Fantastic Four. Hi, this is Kevin Randall, author of Alien Mysteries, Conspiracies, and Cover-Up. Hi, this is Tracy Roberts, founder of Political I'm Jeremiah Bombeck the producer of The Reel of Horror. Hi, my name is Bill Hall, author of The World's Most Haunted House. Hi, this is Micah Hanks, and I'm the author of the book The Ghost Rockets. And you're listening to Emmy on the Graveyard Shift talk show, blogtalkradio.com. Broadcasting live from a war-torn battlefield, from atop a 200-foot-tall, last-of-its-kind woolly mammoth, driving a bunch of drunk zombies on their way to an all-you-can-eat super flesh buffet. Teaching a cat how to speak fluent Klingon. You're listening to the Graveyard Shift online radio talk show. And now, just finished from sucker-punching your country's ruthless dictator, because he's just that damn cool. Here's your illustrious host. Abby. All right, ladies and gentlemen, thanks for hanging in there. This is your illustrious host, Emmy, on the Graveyard Shift online radio talk show. Join a nice bowl of something hot. I don't know what this is, actually. It looks like brains. Anyway, um, I'm going to go ahead and end the show with a few more news. Yeah, sorry, guys. You know me. I talk so much. I didn't have not time for an interview. Next week, I'm hoping to air the interview with myself and Mr. Brian Dyer, uh, local filmmaker, documentarian. Is that even a word? If it's not, I just totally made it. It's awesome. So, speaking of, like, cool stuff, how has DC been doing? DC Comics. You've been doing pretty good, right? I think so. Man, these brains are like really, really nice and mushy. I love it. Are there any uh, Arrow fans out there, Flash fans? Because I know I'm one. I'm really loving this. DC, the movie company that, well, Warner Brothers, they need to do what their TV counterparts are doing. They are actually doing the right thing. They're no, they actually know what they're doing. There was a... Uh, like a, I don't know what you've got, an announcement made that a Supergirl TV series is, is being developed. In fact, Dean Kane is going to be in it, and uh, the girl, it's going to be Supergirl, and Melissa ben- Benoist is going to be Supergirl. And they actually came out with already, I mean, this, is, this was like like crazy fast image of Supergirl. I love the costume. It's so awesome. It looks great. It looks very... Sh- uh, sh- sleek and modern and it it looks great it looks like it looks like what i would think supergirl would look like and it's actually a nice match up to her cousin cal's uh costume in man of steel so i i really hope that we get to see her in the movie although we probably won't you know how things go with you know movies and whatnot so um now supergirl is supposed to be coming out in the 2015-16 season and the show follows Kara Danvers slash Kara Zor-El, uh, Superman's cousin, when she decides to embrace her superhuman abilities. And um, also what will happen will be Callista Flockhart will be in it. She's going to play Kara's boss at CatCo, Cat Grant, who is in Desperate um, Housewives and the True Blood. Um Oh, well, I'm sorry. Wait, Cat Grant is the name of the boss. The lady, uh, Meekad Brooks. He's actually a guy, I think. Um, and he's going to co-star as Kara's love interest. Jimmy Olsen, who's going to be played by Chyler Lee from uh, Grey's Anatomy. Oh, my gosh. What is going on here? The way that they wrote this is kind of confusing. So, okay, Ch- Chyler Lee is actually going to be cast as Kara's doctor's sister, Alex Danvers. And David Harewood, who was in Homeland as supervillain Hank Henshaw, who is also, you know, better known as Cyborg Superman in DC Comics. So, 
Helen Slater, who was in the 1984 Supergirl movie, and she was Supergirl, and Superman vet Dean Cain is going to be there for secret roles. I hope that he does Superman. That would be so freaking awesome. So how many of you are excited about the comic book convention coming up, Megacon? Because I know I sure am. I am. I've already got my tickets. I'm going to be there April 10th through the 12th. It's going to be awesome. Stan Lee will be there among a whole ton of people. And I thought that was a link to the actual website of Megacon. What's wrong with these people, doggone it? Oh, there it is. That's there. That's what I'm looking for. There's going to be a special event, Doctor Who Companions panel, where you can join cast members Jenna Coleman, Alex Kingston, and Arthur Darville for the special event. They will field and answer questions about their adventures through space and time. Now, seating is limited, so if you want to go to this panel, you have to go to the megaconvention.com website and get your tickets. And if you're wondering who else is going to be there in the media, uh, like I just said, Stan Lee will be there, Hulk Hogan, Adam Baldwin from Firefly, Alan Tudyk, you know, Zen guy from Firefly, Alex Kingston, April Hunter, and Arthur Darville, Carrie Elwes. I mean, dear God, that in itself is reason enough for me to go. And Jeremy Shada, who is a voice of Finn in Adventure Time, Lou Ferrigno, really cool guy to meet in person, by the way. I actually liked him. For all of you Walking Dead fans out there, Norman Reedus, Michael Rooker, will be there. I mean, this is going to be really cool, guys. So, I mean, I would highly recommend you go. Just go to megaconvention.com, get your tickets now while you can, and get there early, April 10th through the 12th, 2015. And as far as for all of you guys up north, March 7th, which is right now, it's already done, so I'm not even going to mention that. There was a big Apple Con. And what other stuff? The Motor City Comic Con 2015. Before I mention, okay, May 15th through the 17th is going to be going on, and that's at Motor City, which is, I hope, it's at Detroit. God, I hope it's Detroit. I hope I'm right. I suck if I'm not right. <laughs> it's going to be at, it's at Michigan. Man, I suck. Farm. Okay, well, the Motor City Comics is in Mich- Farmington Hills. Uh, they are going to be, you know what? I'm not, I'm going to be going all over this place. Funny. I should have known about, I should have done this earlier, but it's kind of just popped up in here. So if you want to learn more about it, go to motor city, motor city, comiccon.com. You can find out more about that particular comic convention. There's also going to be, uh, Boston comic con, 2015 anime, Boston, 2015 Baltimore. If you go to comic book, conventionscene.com you can find out about all the comic book conventions in there by the way speaking of people in conventions and stuff how many of you have heard about the dancing man no not me there was this guy who was a victim of cyberbullying recently and i'm kind of really proud of this i'm 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 involved in the community that helped this guy out i'm i did not i'm not one of the people that i'm just saying i'm proud of the people who did this there were photos that were circulated on several, um, you know, image websites like 4chan, big surprise, Imager and Reddit, and they were making fun of a quote-unquote dancing man for being overweight posted by an anonymous user. They uh, spotted him, and it really the, the quote said, spotted this specimen trying to dance the other week, and he stopped when he saw us laughing. A second photo showed the man with his head down looking embarrassed. People soon began calling out the bully who posted the photo on social media, including the Free Thought Project writer Cassandra Fairbanks. Fairbanks reposted the picture on Twitter, asking her 30,000-plus followers to help her find the man because 2,000 women in L.A. wanted to do something special for him. Her tweet was shared nearly 3,000 times. Now, quickly, her friends began to spread the word. Within 12 hours, there were more than 11,000 tweets with the hashtag Fine Dancing Man. The group of women then started a GoFundMe page, which was already raised nearly has already raised nearly thirteen thousand dollars to fly the man to L.A. and throw a dance party for him. After just thirteen hours, the man accepted the invitation. Uh, excuse me, wouldn't you? Quote: Cassandra just seen invite and would love to join you in L.A. for a dance off. The man tweeted from Twitter handle at Dancing Man Found. 
and then he posted a picture of himself. You know, I'm going to tell you something. This is what the internet should be used for, things like this. This guy was, you know, the fact that somebody bullied him and then he was – somebody was nice enough. That many people got together and helped him out. That's pretty awesome. That's what we should do, guys. That's how we should band together and help people out. I think that's pretty cool. So another thing that was pretty cool, something else that was done for charity, Chris Evans strapped on his Captain America suit and went to Seattle Children's Hospital for a visit. As many of you know, there was a bet between him and Chris Pratt, who is Star-Lord, Jason Quill. And, you know, to... They made a bet as to who would win the New England Patriots or the Seattle Seahawks. And um, Pratt already visited the New England Christopher's Haven Hospital after his team, the Seahawks, lost to the Patriots in the Super Bowl. Now Evans is returning the favor, even though his team won, by making the children of Seattle Children's Hospital Day with a visit from Captain America. Pratt was there as well in civilian clothes, but Evans was all decked out to help awesome kids like Colton feel like superheroes themselves before having transplant surgery. You can actually see their pictures. I'm gonna I'm gonna go ahead and um, oops, I was gonna put it on Twitter and I messed up. I'm gonna put it on our Twitter feed here. You can check it out. These guys are really cool. I, I love when celebrities do do things like this because you know I can tell you something. My kids love these guys. If they saw them in person, they would freak out. So it's pretty cool that they did this. And you know somebody else that did something that visited a place but was completely ignored. John Stamos. Visited the actual full house home. Now, this was the house that was actually using the outside um, shots of full house in the very beginning. He stopped by his famous TV home, was amused when he went unnoticed by fans. He shared an Instagram photo Friday in which he stood in front of the San Francisco home, featured in the sitcom's opening credits. He posed for the camera as fans stood nearby, clueless that they were only mere feet away from Uncle Jesse. So it's pretty funny, you know, not not like uproariously funny, but rather amusing nonetheless well that's all we got for tonight guys my voice is going i just got over a really bad bug stay safe out there stay healthy please 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 there's a lot of the flu shot this year sucked big time so just kind of stay out there guys and uh you know stay healthy i want to thank all of you for hanging in there i know this wasn't one of the greatest episodes ever probably the best one ever i know you know right wasn't i awesome Stay tuned. I'm going to be airing the interview between myself and Brian Dyer, hopefully next week. And then after that, I'll be airing the sequel to Tracy Roberts' adoption story. Definitely do not miss out on that. And uh, that's all for tonight, guys. I want to thank you once again for tuning in. This is Emmy on the Graveyard Shift online radio talk show, and I am punching out. Peace. You feel that universe? That satisfied feeling only comes from having finished a super epic, awesome episode of The Graveyard Shift online radio talk show. Hosted by your illustrious host, Emmy. Make sure to follow on blogtalkradio.com slash The Graveyard Shift and our Twitter feed, hashtag Emmy Shift Show, to stay in the loop for future episodes. Until next time, Shifties, we're punching out.